0: Hi, I'm Phil Routley, and I want to welcome you to Timothy, my son. One of my fondest memories of my dad is the many times that I'd walk up the stairs to our bedrooms, look in Mum and dad's room, and see my dad sitting at a round card table, sitting on one of those folding chairs that came with the table, hunched over his Bible, writing notes. The table had stacks of books on it, as I remember, all to help him better understand the Bible so he could teach it better. Matthew Henry commentaries, books from the All the of the Bible series, All the Parables, All the Women, etc., William Barclay's Daily Bible Study series, and many others. I still have a box of the notes that he wrote for preaching and teaching. My dad was a toolmaker. When he finished high school at 17, he took a job as an apprentice with Canadian General Electric in Peterborough, Ontario. He learned the craft, got involved in management, was a foreman for a period of time, and at age 60, retired as a supervisor of the tool room. The plant was where General Electric manufactured those huge turbines that they used to generate electricity. Niagara Falls and lots of other places. But toolmaking was never his passion. The Bible was. My dad to loved to read it, study it, teach it, and preach it. We don't do nearly as much public reading of Scripture as they would have in Paul's day, and for a pretty simple reason we don't have to. In Jesus' day, there would be one set of scrolls in the synagogue, the people would gather for worship, and the word would be read to them. Remember Luke 4 17, when Jesus was handed the scroll of Isaiah to read? That would have been pretty typical. Later on, the letters from Paul, Peter, and John would have been copied painstakingly and circulated among the churches and added to their reading libraries. The gospels would have been added later, and when the people met, they would hear the word of God. Back then, only the most highly educated would have learned to read. It was only much later in history when books could be mass-produced with the Gutenberg printing press. Public education grew, and reading glasses were readily available. Then people could begin to read their Bible on their own. When we were first pastors in our first church in Toronto, I remember conducting a series of Bible studies on 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. On the first night, I had the lights turned low, and I asked everyone to imagine that we were sitting in a room together, gathered as a group of believers, in about 50 AD. The pastor had just received a new letter from Paul, who helped plant their church just a few years previously. Many of them knew Paul personally, and they were excited to hear what the apostle had to say to them. They had heard some of the previous letters, but apparently this one began to the church of the Thessalonians. This was personal, so they sat expectantly. And just like their pastor would have done so many years ago, I began to read to our church five chapters, all of the first letter to that church. A few weeks later, we did the same with Paul's second letter to their church. Doing it this way brought fresh insights because we were able to experience God's Word as it was initially experienced by His people, and in its fullness by reading the entire letter. Try it sometime. In my introduction to Timothy, my son, I suggested reading the entire book, front to back, to give you the overall sense of what it's about. I think we often miss a lot when we only dissect it instead of appreciating the whole. It's only about 2,600 words. Preaching and teaching are different, although there are obviously components of each that can be found in each. Here's how I think of the two. Preaching is to take a passage of scripture, distill it down to its most essential components, and communicate it in such a way that when presented by one person before a gathering of people, they'll be able to apply it to their lives. When we were in college, there was a simple process for crafting a sermon. Number one, discern the big idea from the passage of Scripture. Number two, develop these three into three ideas that support the big idea. Number three, for each of the three points, clarify. What do you mean by this point? Verify. Use Scripture to support your point, preferably more than a couple of texts. Amplify. Illustrate what you're meaning with a story or something that will help the listener to understand what you're talking about in today's context. This is where Billy Graham always said, you should preach with the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. Finally, apply. What should your listener be doing with what they're learning? And then number four is the conclusion. Wrap it all up in a way that will be memorable and applicable. Teaching is or should I say, good teaching, is more of a conversation between the teacher and the students. The teacher will explain, the students will respond, and a dialogue will take place, hopefully with everyone learning along the way. In many ways, teaching can be more about transmitting information, but if that's where it ends, I believe the teacher has failed. The goal is growth in knowledge, in wisdom, but ultimately in our context, in faith and godliness. When I was in university, I rarely enjoyed lectures unless there was an accompanying time for discussion, either with the entire class, which doesn't work when there are hundreds there, or with a table group. I always found that most of the growth in understanding took place as a consequence of the discussion. So, Timothy, until I come, Paul wrote, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. Amen.